Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his article, Virtue Ethics as a Resource for Business, Robert Audi is going to talk about some of the challenges that people often bring up, not just in business ethics, but in ethics in general, considering how we would work with virtue ethics. Is it really practical? How can we do it? And so he talks about four areas in particular of ethical challenge. He's not saying these are the only ones, but these are the ones that he thinks are most relevant for business ethics. And he says that one of these is ethical decision. How do we actually decide things? Do we do it by saying, what would a virtuous person do in this case? And he says, this isn't the only way we might proceed, whether we adhere to a virtue ethics or whether we operate with the sense of the importance of virtue in guiding our conduct. For one thing, problems of evaluating such hypotheticals are difficult and the guidance they provide is limited by our abilities to anticipate how agents would be affected by changes of kinds that may have never occurred. You know, so saying, how would Cato have handled this if you're a Stoic or how would Aristotle himself have handled it? Not all always that helpful. And he says that these hypothetical questions invite one to proceed beyond the specific person and instance to think about an abstract understanding of the notion of a virtuous person, or at least one of more virtues. And he says, this is good, but this may not be helpful in the situation because the point is, as he says, to act from virtue, not from a conception thereof. We want to actually be virtuous. And this is a point that Aristotle and other virtue ethicists have made as well. And then he says, you know, one alternative is what we can call a narrative approach. So we consider imaginary or historically relevant cases, and then we imagine a role model's resolution rather than taking like historical figures and saying, let's act exactly like Abraham Lincoln did in this case. We think, well, what is the virtue expecting of us here? How would this play itself out? This might be something better done dialogically as well. And he gives a great example of this with the Johnson and Johnson Tylenol case. If you don't remember that somebody was poisoning Tylenol. Johnson and Johnson pulled it off the shelves at great expense to the company. The right thing to do. It was a virtuous action. The Enron case illustrating some particularly virtue averse and definitely vicious behavior piled on vicious behavior, piled on vicious behavior. I mean, in that case, the more you probe into it, the worse it is. One thing that was interesting about that, they actually had an award winning code of ethics that they didn't follow at all. So it's a real problem. So, so ethical decision, that's one area. Another is considering what role the rules of action play. Some people think that virtue ethics means that you don't have any rules at all. You just get into situations kind of blind and then use your virtues to figure things out. That is a recipe for disaster. No real virtue ethics actually teaches that you should do that. And so virtue ethics does have a place for ordinary rules. They may rely on rules at many different cases and points. They may include, for example, some that are largely unfamiliar where the agent has been given credible arguments supporting some rule for dealing with them. And, you know, as Audi points out, you really can't teach virtues. You can't encourage moral development without using some rules. But the goal is not just to stick with the rules. You know, the point is to figure out when the rules actually fit well, when they don't. And rules can't tell you that. You can make rules on rules on rules, but it's still not going to solve that problem. That's where the virtues actually come in. And a virtue 
virtuous person is the person you can say who can figure out when the rules apply and to what degree. So, you know, they, they will in fact use rules, but they're not just going to be relying solely upon them. Traits of character, grounds of action. This is important as well. He talks about W.D. Ross and Ross's seven prima facie duties. He says that several of these, justice, non-injury, fidelity, veracity, beneficence, self-improvement, reparation, gratitude, of these terms, only three of them fail to indicate a virtue with the same name. And this isn't because they're not involving virtues. They actually may involve several. So for example, to non-injury corresponds gentleness, kindness, and respectfulness. To self-improvement, there corresponds being self-critical and being proud in the right way. So there's a correspondence between virtues and principles. We don't have to say, ah, principles don't matter at all, just virtues. We can use principles. And there's another key thing here, though. What do virtues bring? If you want to talk in business terms, what is their value proposition? Well, one thing that virtues do And this is not just Audi pointing this out. There's many other authors who point out this as well. For example, Nancy Sherman in The Fabric of Character will talk about ethical salience. Here, Audi talks about a person who has virtues. To have the virtue is in part to be perceptually sensitive to the relevant grounds, which is a cognitive receptivity and a behaviorally responsive to them in the right way, which is a matter of conduct. So for example, a just person, somebody who actually has justice, isn't just acting in accordance with it, but has that virtue, is more likely than someone who lacks this virtue to see cheating that occurs in fulfilling a contract and to respond to it with action or at least disapproval sufficiently strong to yield action if a sufficiently suitable opportunity arises, right? And so this is actually something that has been noted really since ancient times. The virtues make us better able to perceive what's relevant within the situation than a person who lacks the virtues. Finally, virtues and obligations. Can virtues sometimes conflict with each other? Yes, they certainly can. Now, if you do ethics for very long, you're going to find that there are very few moral systems in which there aren't some conflicts between principles or rules or whatever it is that you have. So virtue ethics is not unique in that respect. And when we run into a contradiction, we have to say, okay, what's going on here? Is it that the virtues themselves are contradictory to each other? Probably not. That's probably a misreading of the case based on abstractions of the virtues. What really happens is that a person who has more than one virtue finds themselves in the particular situation being pulled in different directions by the different virtues because of the complexity of the case. So they actually are virtuous. And then he says like the person is pulled in different directions. A virtuous person will have traits of fidelity and beneficence. And so they can face hard decisions like fidelity to shareholders and beneficence to employees. Fidelity to shareholders means trying to maximize profits. Beneficence to employees means trying to pay them as much and give them as many benefits as possible. These are not inherently contradictory unless we decide it's a zero-sum game, but you are being pulled in different directions. And this is where maybe another virtue like prudence comes in. We can attain what Audi calls a reflective balance or a little bit later, a reflective equilibrium, a reflective balance among the diverse inclinations that go with all the relevant virtues. 
Again, this is where prudence may play an important role. He says, roughly speaking, reflective equilibrium is a condition of balance among our general principles, concrete cases they apply to, and related beliefs and attitudes we may hold. So there may be cases where we have to do some weighing. Nobody ever said that virtue ethics means that the virtues like automatically solve every situation for you. And as he points out, the same considerations hold for rule theorists. Rule theorists are going to have fewer resources if they don't appeal to aritaic notions, that is notions of virtue. So you can do without virtue ethics if you want to, but you're probably going to have a harder time dealing with contradictions that are inevitably going to arise. So these are four areas of ethical challenge. None of them pose irresolvable challenges, but they do help us to zero in on what virtue ethics is supposed to look like in practice in business. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.